Would you open God's precious holy word to John, the gospel of John, chapter 1. We began in verse 1 last week. Those verses continue today, so I may as well refer to them as we flow right into verse 3. In the beginning, into the beginning, within the beginning, inside the beginning was the Word. Logos, remember? And the Word was with God, the Word was God, God was the Word, it literally says. The same was in the beginning with God. 90% of John's gospel is not found in the synoptic gospels, the first three. It is because John, more than the others, give to us the heavenly side of John. There are many earthly things that occurred in the earthly life of Jesus recorded in the first three Gospels that are simply not found in the Gospel of John. And many, many, many things in the Gospel of John that were not found, that are not found in the first three Gospels. John is introducing us in a more profound way than the other three. God who became a man. God in the flesh. And so these spirit-inspired words are used in his gospel as he introduces his gospel. The word with God was God, verse 14, we'll get there someday, says became flesh and dwelt among us. To remind you that the word logos that is translated word in that first couple of verses references that which is gathered into the mind of the one who will express it. Gathered into the mind of the one who will, by expression of that word, reveal his wisdom, his intelligence, his understanding, his emotion. It's gathered and is with him. Logos was with God. And then it is manifested. It is expressed. And when expressed... It reflects all of the wisdom and understanding and knowledge and love and emotions of the one who expresses it. The Word. The Word is seen in Genesis and explained in John. In Genesis it says... In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, the earth shot from a void, darkness on the face of the deep, yada, yada, yada. And God said, that's the word, the expression of the thought of God. 
Colossians 2 says that speaking of Christ, in him was bodily expressed all of the Godhead. God is outside beyond creation. We cannot completely and into the ages of the ages will never be able to explain God completely. We will never be able to exhaust the understanding of God, though the redeemed will pursue it into the ages of the ages. Because God is greater than his creation and the cause is always greater than the effect. God is always greater than who we are. So it will be a joy and a great ride forever to grow in the knowledge of God and in his grace in pursuit of it into the ages of the ages. This great God knows that we cannot know him unless he divinely expresses himself in a way that we can understand. So he condescends to us. And this is what God, the son, does. He condescends to us. So out from the realm of his existence that cannot be explained, God then accommodates himself to the time-space continuum as he creates it. And God, the Son, comes right into it. Now he's beyond the realm of time for he creates it. He's beyond the realm of creation itself because he brings it into being. So he's eternal, you see. But in a special way brings himself into it so that the redeemed of God can know God. And in a way that we can understand can be called by God into his eternal salvation. Now, what is said in verses 1 and 2 continues here in verse 3. All things through him came into being Again, it came into being all things through him. It started out inside within the beginning, expressed logos coming from the mind of God, being manifest into the time space continuum into creation as we know it. And now we are told I'll read the rest of the verse. All things through him came into being or into existence. And without him, not even one thing. It's very expressive in the Greek text. Not, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. Everything that exists 
came through Christ. Everything, the manifestation of the thought of God, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the love of God, everything, would come into creation as he created it. But it came through him. I'm trying to think of an illustration that is appropriate. And I can't. I saw a movie once a long time ago, Stargate. This big round thing that looked like water. And you had to go through it to get somewhere else on the other side of the universe. Well, that's not an appropriate illustration. That's the best one I can come up with. Everything that exists came through Logos. The expression, the manifestation of the thought of God that includes everything that is in the universe. Not one subatomic particle exists that did not come through Christ, created by God, the Son. Colossians 1 says that all things were made by him, heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones, principalities, dominions, authorities. All things were made through him and for him. So it is by his pleasure and his power that everything exists. Everything. Now that means, and we covered this last time, I, it's not beating a dead horse, it's, being an, it's beating an eternal thought, I guess. The redeemed, written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. No, those are not my words, those are God's words. I don't understand all that there is to know about it. But I know that's what God says. And then Jesus says in John 6, all that the Father gives to me will come to me and all who come to me I will in never, no way cast them out. It's a double negative. That's not good English, but it's perfect Greek. Not never. There's no way I will ever cast those, the redeemed, written in the book of life before the foundation of the no way, they will come to me and I will never ever for no, for not any reason at all, Cast them out. I've come to do the will of the Father who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me that all he has given to me will come to me. And I'll raise him up at the last day. John chapter 6. He brought that with him. I'm in there somewhere. Redeemed. Reprobate animals. Nature, trees, plants, galaxies. We continue to marvel at the galaxies as we continue to receive new photographs from the Hubble telescope. It's amazing. It speaks just a little bit of how we will never exhaust the pursuit of the knowledge of God, not now or not into 
the ages of the ages that will come. Things that have never been seen beyond the farthest stretches of the universe came through Christ. What power? God, the Son. God, the Son, would be the one who would be the manifestation and expression of God in time and space. All things through him came into being. And without him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. Not one thing. Now that begs a lot of questions. But there is one great answer and we can pursue answers to questions as far as we can with the caveat that the Bible teaches us that there are things reserved to God that you'll just never know or understand because you're not God and I'm not God. So as far as he wants us to know and as much as he wants us to know, he gives it to us in his word. Anything beyond that is more than we could ever understand. So in him was life. All things through him came into being. What was he carrying with him when he came as he created life? I don't know how many definitions of life I have seen in my lifetime. They speak of biological life. They speak of this. They speak of that. They, theologically, we speak of spiritual life, of course. In him was life. Listen, the Christ of God never received life. He is life. He was, he was life. He was alive before the creation that makes him eternal. He belongs to eternity. This is where God is. And God expresses himself through his son. The Bible says no man has seen God the Father at any time, but the son has, and the Greek word is exegete. I think we're going to get the, has expressed him. This is the only way that we can know God as far as we can know him. By the expression from the Godhead bodily in the person of the Son. Through him everything comes into existence. And as everything comes into existence, in him was life. So you see, saved or lost, redeemed or reprobate, heaven or hell. One never has life except that it came to him by the power of Logos, the Christ of God, the expression of the Almighty through God the Son. In him was life.
but it gets better. And the life was the light of men. The fall of man in the garden. was a profound and unspeakable thing. No wonder God said to her, woman, what have you done? Death, only God could see the ravages of sin by the fall of man from that time forward. It affected the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom. It affected the atmosphere. It affected the production of the earth. It affected man and woman who now must live in toil and pain and finally physically die. To suffer at the fall a separation from God that had not been known. Before, in Colossians chapter uh, 1, we read of the domain of darkness. That is Satan's kingdom, domain, and all of his demons. Unless and until the Christ of God brings light into a person's life, that person abides in darkness. Now, when you go back to Genesis 1, you see John 1 defines and gives us a little more of what Genesis 1 had already said. It talks about how there was darkness on the face of the deep. But then the word, the word, which you don't have in those first couple, you don't have the word from God until now. When darkness is defined, the Bible in Genesis 1 says, and God said. So that brings us right here. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And God said, let there be light. You cannot, know not, you cannot know light unless you understand darkness. Conceptual polarity is what philosophers call it. You can't know the opposite of something unless you know the other thing. And then you say, oh. In darkness, no one knows he's in darkness. If he's lived in darkness and exists in darkness and belongs to the domain of darkness, he doesn't know he's in darkness unless the light shines. Now, the light changes everything. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness could not overcome it, overcame it not. Ketelebin, overcame. Ketelebin, it means to overpower. 
in all of my life. I've been in places, backyard, deep woods, at night, and it was dark. But every time the light came out, the darkness was dispelled. None of us have ever experienced a time when the darkness was so powerful that it would overcome the light. Never. God, Genesis 1, said, let there be light. And he saw the light. It was good. Good. There is no such thing, really, in the truth of all things, there is no such thing as relative morality. In other words, if I say it's okay, it's okay. If I say it's good, it's good. It's not true. God defines what is good and what is moral. Man cannot define that. Man tries to, but man cannot. And when man follows his own definition and standard of righteousness and morality, society will collapse in due time. It cannot stand. So, God said in Genesis 1, God saw the light, it was good. And God divided, he separated light from darkness. The light he called day, the darkness he called night. Now you go over into the New Testament and the apostles write in the New Testament that we're the redeemed of God are not children of the night, we're children of the day. We're not of darkness, we're of the light. So when all things came through him, and there was a time-space continuum. And there was one dimension of time and three dimensions of space. Into that, Christ and only Christ could bring light. Light is not found. Redemption is not found. Salvation is not found apart from Christ. He would say, we'll see it in a year or two if the Lord hadn't come. I'm the light of the world. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. John takes Logos, then in verse 14 brings him into flesh and gives his testimony. And we saw his glory. Even the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1, verse 14. In him was life. Life 
was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never overpower it. Never. It has tried through history. We read it in the Bible of those times where God's people who carried the promise of the Christ in the Old Testament were pursued and chased and slaughtered but they could not put the light out. The world couldn't extinguish it. You come into the New Testament and of course there was Herod who tried to kill the Christ by killing all the babies. How many times did they seek his life when he was ministering but his time had not come and he would just sort of confound their thoughts and he would disappear from their presence. Today we live in an era and an age where I believe unlike any time since the flood, the forces of evil have gathered together and have found so much of mankind to be allied with them in the pursuit of the destruction of the teaching, the thought, the word, the people of the Christ. But the light will shine. How in this present day, I have some ideas, but they're just my ideas. But the light will overwhelm darkness because darkness can never overcome the light. And this light brings real life, spiritual life. Life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness overpowered it not, overcame it not. In Hebrews chapter 1, I think it's in verse 2, the Bible teaches that the Father created all things through the Son, His Son. And He goes on and it says, by whom He created the ages. Now in the Greek text, King James translates the word, the word worlds. We're not talking about planets here. It's not from, from chaos or something. It, the, the word is aeonon. Aeonon. That's the plural. The, the, the singular is aeon. You've heard of the word eon. Eons and eons. Well, the, that comes from that Greek word. It speaks of a space of time. When all things through him came into, in, into being, let me tell you what he brought as he created time. He brought with him the ages of time. The age, the time of creation. Those days of creation. The age of the pre-flood world. The dispensations of the work of God all the way to the consummation of time and the end of all things as we understand it, which will be carried into a new heaven and a new earth. 
God the Son brought the ages with him, through whom he made the ages. He created the ages. Now, along the way, in those ages, there was a time for the, seven, the six days of creation. And there was a time for the day of rest. Beyond that, there was a time for unfallen man to enjoy paradise. There was a time then for the fall of man. There was a time for the pre-flood world. There was a time and age of the flood, and then there was a time of the post-flood world and the ages of God's people and time that would follow after that. There came a time and age where the Christ of God physically was born of a virgin. All of these ages were brought. Now, move past the era of the apostles, and we're now in the time of the church. And in the time of the church, in my view, somewhere on toward the end of the time of the church, he brought me. I was in there. All things through him came into being. Nothing exists apart from him. He's life. He's the creator of life. There is no life apart from him. And he's light. Apart and except for him, apart from and except for him, there is no light. It's all darkness. Colossians then one tells about how we're delivered from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love, his beloved son. That's where we are in Christ. We are enlightened. We are children of the day and not of the night. We are children of light and not of darkness. And this, this contrast is made all the way through scriptures. And the light is only found in Christ. In him was the light of men. It's parallel syntax in the Greek up there. It's the same thing. Life, light. Life cannot become eternal life in the beloved apart from Christ. So we find our hope in the very one who made us and who knew us before we were ever born. We saw last time by the language, before there was ever a creation in the mind of God. I cannot exist unless God has thought of me. There is no oops in the language of God. Same way with you. I cannot, I cannot explain it completely. 
But I know that it is all wrapped up in grace. Peter says we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The longer we live as believers, the more we realize it was all of God and none of me. I'm powerless. I'm a sinner. I'm undone. Something has to intervene. I'm dead in trespass and sin. And I cannot, I cannot awaken myself, raise myself up from that. Only God can do that. And in the course of time, according to his purpose and will, he awakened me by grace. And called me to himself. And I could not resist it. And he did for me in time what he had determined in eternity. I can't explain it. I'll spend all of my existence, I suppose, happily pursuing the question, God, why me? I'll rejoice when I ask the question. I'll fall down on my face and thank him that I'm one of the redeemed. But I will pursue into the ages of the ages a higher and greater knowledge of the grace of God, the person of God, the existence of God. When someday, infinitely and gloriously, I'm resurrected to this wonderful new life that outfits me for eternity and gives me eternal life in which is the opportunity to continue to the learn, to learn from the one about whom the Bible says all things through him came into existence. I'm in there somewhere. So are you. And I thank God that I'm also in there when it comes to that part of the light of men. So how is it with you? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the son of God. He came into the world to save sinners. He calls us by his spirit to himself in the power of God because he is God who became a man. Only you can know if you've never come to Christ by faith. Only you can know if God is calling you to salvation today. I cannot know that. In just a moment, we'll prayerfully stand and I will invite you to come. You're here today. God called you with this wonderful, irresistible call. Come and share that with me, would you? Maybe you'd like to share it with one of the deacons as you leave. There'll be deacons and wives will be in the rooms across the hall. If you don't want to come to me publicly today, you want them to pray with you. Maybe you're here and God has saved you and you'd like to come into the 
fellowship of this body of believers. We'll take care of all the details if that's what God wants. You can come today in the act of standing. You can just step out, come to me and just say, Pastor, I want to be part of this congregation. We'll take care of all the details if that's what God wants for you. Or maybe you want to share that and ask a couple of questions on your way out to the deacons and their wives in those rooms as you leave. The invitation is open for you as well. Father God in heaven, bless this invitation and use it as you see fit for your glory. In Jesus' name.